The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome back into another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall. As always tonight, joined by Josh Kaiser. Josh, um, the Royals did not do better this week than last week when we went off the rails a little bit. So how are we doing? Well, I mean, it, it kind of just confirms that no matter what we say, it's not going to have any kind of outcome or any kind of effect on what happens with the big league club or really anything. It's just us shouting it into the ether and nothing changing from it. So it's, it's just another week in that regard. I really thought we could anger scream our way into a <laughs> Vinny Pasquantino promotion. Uh, no such luck. So tonight Never. we brought on Ben Badler of Baseball America. Ben, is there any way that you can will a Vinny Pasquantino promotion here on the podcast? I don't think my powers extend uh, that far, but uh, he's got to be coming up soon right i mean he's just demolishing triple a i'm not sure how much more he has to prove there i was looking through fan graphs the other day and i went back and i looked since 2012 and actually i went back to as far as i could go and kind of limited their their scale to the number of 24 year olds so to make it age appropriate to hit 15 home runs in their first 50 AAA games without striking out more than 30 times. And Vinny was the only one. He literally, like, I know we do strikeout to walk ratio, and his is around one-to-one. His home run to strikeout ratio is .5. So I think that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the Royals deal is, but we wanted to ask you about him really quick. Is this legit? Is what we're seeing from Vinny legitimate top 100? I know Baseball America launched Vinny up into number 61 on their uh, updated top 100 rankings. Is this legitimate or is there reason for caution behind the Royals having not promoted him yet? Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in uh, Vinny Pasquantino. Like you said, he's got power, strike zone discipline, uh, the swing works. Uh, like you said, walks almost equal to strikeouts, and I think he has just about as many extra base hits too as strikeouts, which is like a pretty good shorthand for a guy who's making a lot of contact and doing a lot of damage. Uh, I think like Mike Moustakis did that when he was in the minor leagues. It's, it's pretty unusual to find a player who has numbers um, like that when a player has more extra base hits and strikeouts. So um, there's no like real 
I mean, other than, you know, not bringing too much to the table defensively, but um, there's no like glaring hole. I, I can see certainly at least not in his offensive game. I think he has all the hallmarks that you find too in a, a player who gets underrated, right? Like he played college baseball at Old Dominion. It's, it's not a big program. Uh, he goes in the 11th round in, in 2019. Uh, obviously there's no 2020 season. So, um, you know, that not a lot to go off for, for, for that. And then, all right. So because of that pandemic year, he gets to, you know, his first real season, he's already 23 in high A. So he's a little bit older for the level, but obviously you can understand why, but by the time he got to double A last year, uh, he just kept raking. Um, so I was a, I was a believer at that point, and I mean I didn't think he'd go off quite the way he is uh, right now. But yeah, I mean the swing works. There's power in there. He controls the strike zone pretty well. Um, I think he's got a chance to be a, an impact middle of the lineup type guy, and I I'd really like to see him up uh, uh, this year too, just like you guys. Do you, you see that middle of the order kind of coming? You know. Overall, like that's the peak, that's the prime time Vinny Pascantino that we can that we can expect, or is that more of like a he could come up tomorrow and potentially be that guy? Uh, so I I think he certainly has that uh, ability and upside at his peak. Whether it comes right away, it's tough. I feel like the gap between AAA and the big leagues right now is uh, bigger bigger than it has been in in recent years, and and we've certainly seen guys who've come up and been really good prospects triple a and have struggled right away i mean you know guys like Vlad jr and soto and you know some other guys like tactics yeah. uh make it look a lot easier um than it is but so I, I i mean i think he's a good enough player right now where he could come in and i mean i don't know he could be like the rookie of the month right away but there's just so many Growing pains and, and it's just such a jump sometimes, even for you know like an older, more more polished and advanced hitter like uh, like Pasquantino, uh, where there could still be some you know bumps in the road at least initially. So it's hard to um, it's hard to predict that like what he would do and maybe even a you know just a couple months that he might be up. Yeah, makes sense. Well, let let's talk about those initial bumps in the road. Let's talk about the transition that we were kind of talking about with Pascutina going from minor league to the majors. And let's look at the other hot ticket items that we kind of got in the Orioles farm system. And that's these new prep arms. And Frank Mazzucato and Ben Kuderna uh, just made their debut a few weeks ago with Columbia. Got three or four game sample sizes on them now. Uh, Mazzucato, four games started, nine earned runs and 11 strikeouts, 10 walks. Kuderna's three games started, 10 at 10 and two-thirds innings pitched there, 12 strikeouts, and only one earned run give up so far. So what's been kind of what have you seen from them relative to when they were drafted and what's kind of, you know, jumped out to you on those two guys? It's it's a little tricky, right? Like Kuderna, like you said, he's only made three starts. He's going three, four innings at a time. So I haven't yeah. talked to a scout who's seen him yet this year, so I don't have anything new on him this year, but I mean, we had him as a top 50 prospect in the draft last year. It's good body, good delivery, uh, good fastball up to, uh, I think it was like up to 97, potential plus, mm -hmm. plus breaking ball, athletic. These are a lot of the markers, a lot of the checkpoints that you look for in, in a high school pitcher. Uh, with Frank Mazzucato, I got to see him a lot last year leading up to the draft. Uh, he was basically... Uh, I mean, there were some Northeast area scouts who had him on their radar as a, like a sleeper candidate coming into the year, but um, he, he was very, very under the radar coming into that spring, and then his stuff uh, jumped up. Uh, I was at a second start of of the spring. I think there were some scouts that were, were like kind of pissed off that <laughs> I was there, and then uh, <laughs> just because he was going to get blown up so much from there. But, I mean, it would have happened. Uh, regardless, I, I did not right. think he was going to go uh, be a top 10 pick when, when I saw him that day or, or when I at, at basically at any point <laughs> mm -hmm. up until yep. the, the Royals picked him um, in the top 10. But um, yeah, I mean, another guy where it's a lot of a lot of checkpoints that you look for in a pitcher. I mean, really athletic, 
uh, left-handed pitcher, was young first class, was 17 pretty much his whole senior year. Um, was up to, I think, 93, pitched more at like 87, 91, but um, a ton of projection in, in his body, really loose, free, and easy delivery. And then his curveball uh, was uh, you know a hammer pitch, and he had feel for adding and subtracting from it and, and landing in the strike zone. Um, so you could see a lot of good projection indicators in place for him, especially with that uh, potential out or an already an out pitch in his breaking ball. Um, so it's, it sounds like this year, the, some of that projection has already started to come on. Uh, he's gotten stronger reports. Uh, we've gotten, have him throwing harder uh, already, which is not unexpected, but a, you know, already a good sign to see it coming already. But um, I, I guess, you know, obviously what I think probably what stands out right now is just the walks being so high. Yes. Um, yep. Which I, I always thought that uh, Mazzucato had really good feel for pitching especially for his age, but it almost seemed like he had better commands of his curveball uh, than his fastball at times. I mean, I think if you just look at his delivery, you would think, all right, well, this is a guy who's going to throw a lot of strikes. It's it's simple, easy delivery. looks very repeatable. Uh, but his, his fastball command would, would kind of come and go on him. So um, I think that's something that certainly still needs to progress. But um, again, like the athleticism should help him there the delivery should help him there um, i think if you look at like um you know like in a perfect world scenario he could turn into somebody like max freed right and if you look back at what max freed was doing when he was in the low a it was i mean it, it wasn't walking this many guys you know obviously mazakata's only had a few starts but yeah. um you know his his walks were were higher when when freed was in the low a and then you know he got hurt and the latest timetable he came back he's still having some uh, command issues, but um, you know, once it all clicked for him, uh, he turned into a you know a number two starter, uh, left-handed power arm with a, a really good breaking ball. So um, you know, certainly a, a long ways away, but there's a you know a dream scenario where uh, an outcome like that could could be in play for him. I could get on board with that dream scenario. Sign me right the hell up right now. That's actually a really good like body comp for Mazzucato as well that I hadn't actually thought of yet so that's i'm glad you brought that up so those are the guys we have to ask you about or we probably get fired from <laughs> doing the show the guys that we wanted to ask you about and the reason i asked you to come on is and and before we get into anybody specific i want to ask you more of a general question about evaluating fringe prospects so mm -hmm. our job in the media and obviously as a team-centric website and podcast and account you know we can focus on 75 to 100 players in an organization and it still is ha a fraction of what you guys are covering with 30 prospects or 40 or 50 prospects from 30 organizations right so in the media it's a little bit different but from an organization standpoint so we'll focus on the royals here but as the royals if you're talking about their front office how hard is it to evaluate the guys that are on the fringe because you spend a lot of capital and a lot of money in guys like Mazzucato and guys like Kaderna and your Brady singers and your, in your first round picks and your early picks and your big signings. But it's the Vinny Pasquantino's who you get in the 11th round, they show up, they hit. And all of a sudden that fringe prospect turns into a legitimate top 100 prospect in baseball. So before we get into anybody specific, how hard is it for organizations to focus on all of these guys and to give the same amount of opportunity and attention and coaching and all that to the fringe prospects when all of their resources are devoted to some of the bigger name guys? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, I think you, as an organization, you certainly have priority players who you want to give uh, priority looks to and priority playing time to, but, uh, I don't think an, an organization is going to, um, you know, overlook players. I mean, if, if they drafted a guy or signed a guy, uh, usually there's, you know, there's some reason they signed them, right? Like, a, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you have guys who are, uh, you know, organizational filler type guys where it's like, all right, well, we need a catcher at this level or something. But it, a lot of that, even now with the reduced 
uh, number of minor league teams and, and the reduced number of rounds in the draft too. You're not just signing some random uh, 33rd round pick. So even the, the later round draft guys, there's some re you know, there's some reason you're signing them. There's a reason you're signing uh, Vinny Pasquantino. Cause yeah. All right. He didn't, you know, play at a top, top college program. He didn't play in the sec. He's really limited defensively, but all right. Like the, the numbers he's putting up are, <laughs> are pretty good in college. We, we like what we see offensively. We maybe think there's some more power uh, in there coming and, um, sometimes those guys, like you said, turn into uh, prospects or, or top 100 prospects or, um, you know, all-star players uh, sometimes too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly like as an organization, you want to give priority coaching and priority reps and priority playing time to your best prospects. And, and sometimes those guys who are more on the fringes of prospectiness uh, move themselves up, and I'm sure Vinny, you know, somebody like Vinny Pasquantino or, um, you know, like Whit Merrifield probably is another good example when he was uh, a prospect in the Royals organization who just kind of turns himself into uh, a better prospect, um, or maybe it was just a better prospect than people realize is maybe a better way to put it, uh, depending on your your perspective. So um, by, by that point, then, yeah, I think they, they start to get more uh, more attention from from the organization and more uh, priority, uh, you know, playing time and, and developmental uh, opportunities too. Well, does, do you think that those guys that kind of just pop up on the radar, like you're talking about, do they have to prove it a little bit longer? Is there like, do you think there's any kind of, um, I guess, longer leash that they're they're needing to kind of uh, take into before they actually get the shot at the pro at the pros? Um, in, in terms of like what they need to do before yeah. signing or in terms of or before, before they get that promotion to the big league. Um, I, I think not to it, name names it, or anything, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it just depends on the, on the, on the situation. Like, mm-hmm. I, like certainly like, all right, like if you have a, like sometimes you're like, all right, like a high bonus player a high draft pick seems to be getting a lot of opportunities and yeah you can say like all right well the team is giving them a lot of opportunities because they sign for a lot of money but like really probably what's happening more so than that is that there's a reason they got a lot of money because <laughs> they have yeah. some sort of raw talent raw ability and those raw tools are probably still intact and they're still getting opportunities because of that um you know that you know, raw talent, raw athleticism, whatever it is that, uh, you know, may have gotten them paid, even if the performance um, isn't there. So, um, yeah. and in a lot of cases, the guys who are the the later round picks might be guys who have, uh, you know, tools that don't jump out to you uh, immediately. If you just go in and watch them at like a showcase or a workout or, or just see them for a day or two, um, or, or, you know, you could see them for a lot of, <laughs> it's just, right. you know, their tools aren't any better. Uh, but some of those guys, it's like the more you see him, the more you appreciate him, and the more – and some of the times, too, it's just like, well, we haven't seen him against great competition in college or it's a college guy, you know, dominating guys in low A, which is the, you know, very mixed bag this year. You know, there's no more happy <laughs> league, right? So you have, like, right. some guys who should be in the happy league uh, if, if that had still existed or the Pioneer League if that still existed. And some guys who really should be in low A, and then there's a still like weirdish backlog from uh, that 2020 season too, in, in some cases. So, um, you know, some of those guys who who might be a little bit lighter on tools and are just older, dominating low A competition. It's like, well, all right, let's wait until they get to double A. It's a little bit better barometer. Their pitching is better. The command at that level is better. The, the arms you see coming out of the bullpen are are probably real prospects in a lot of cases at, at, in um, there, whereas in, you know, in low A, high A, you're not seeing a lot of like true like relief prospects um, at that level. So um, sometimes it's just a matter of seeing a guy proving it at a, at a higher level. And, and then the organization or, you know, us do, you know, at, at baseball America, when we, or whether it's us or our scouts, we're talking to from other organizations start taking guys a, a little bit more seriously and saying, Oh, all right, this, you know, guy who might be a little bit lighter on just raw tools or 
uh, maybe some more question marks on whether you know what he's doing to translate it at higher levels. Well, he's he's doing it now, so yeah. uh, he's then yeah. he's only a couple levels away from the big leagues. So let's take this and and talk about guys some some specific players in the Royals organization. The Royals have a catcher slash first baseman in Double A named Logan Porter, and <clears throat> really a lot of these guys we're getting ready to talk about are. In the scouting world, what I think we would consider to be 35-plus guys, meaning on a 20 to 80 scale, if 40 is a usable, legitimate big league prospect on the low end, a 35-plus, for those of you listening, because I'm not telling Ben anything new, is a is, is the guys we're talking about. They're on the fringe. They clearly have something that they're doing that is worth mentioning, but they're not like a legitimate prospect. I wouldn't consider Logan Porter at the moment to be like a legitimate prospect, right? Uh, fan graphs or and even baseball America both released their top 30s, top 40 prospects in the organization. You won't find Logan Porter on on those types of lists. But you have a 26 year old catcher at Double A who is a great receiver. Doesn't throw really well, but he's a great receiver with a walk out a walk to strikeout ratio that's getting closer to one every day. He's cut down on his strikeout. He's improved his walk rate. There's a good bit of raw power in there. Just hit his sixth home run the other day. And Steamer, for all that Steamer's rest-of-season projections are worth, has him projected by the numbers and the numbers only for a 95 weighted runs created plus in the big leagues for the rest of the season. That is almost a league average hitter in the big leagues. I don't love the way that works, but you can at least use the numbers and understand he's really hitting the ball well at double A. So Ben, the question I have for you, 26 year old catcher at double A, good receiver, good bit of power, destroying the league. At what point does a guy like that become a prospect? Because he's way too old for the level, but he's hitting. And at some point, like guys that are hitting, when do they stop? Is there something that we look for to say, Hey, Here's the reason he's going to stop because statistically on paper, there aren't a lot of reasons to think, oh, he's just going to stop hitting when he's promoted to AAA at some point. Yeah, it's tough. Like you said, he's he's 26 in AA, but you know, I, I never like to write off guys just because they're old for the level. I think that's um, you miss on players that way because, you know, look like he was drafted at, at 20. 22 years old, so he's already, you know, he, he can't control that. He's set to the, the Royals in the Appy League the next year, right? So you can only go where your team sends you to play. Then you miss a year because of the pandemic, right? So just because of those circumstances, he's, you know, he's 25 in high A last year, so he's 26 in double A. Um, you know, look, you can have good prospects in double A, uh, or, or good prospects. It's just, you know, double A, triple A who are 26 years old. Like, you know, we talked about Whit Merrifield is a, a great example, obviously for uh, the Royals of, of somebody you would not want to have written off just because he was older, um, you know, 25, 20, what did he debut at like 27, I think, um, yep, I think with, right. with Kansas city. So or in the big leagues, uh, you know, Jeff Neal, I remember watching him in, in double A as I think like 25 or, or maybe he was 26 too and being like uh this guy's got like a pretty good swing like this is like this might uh this might work um you know justin turner there's all sorts of guys who are um you know later bloomers and you know usually it's uh, a lot of times it's more often on the pitching side it, it seems like just because guys can you know guys just start throwing harder out of out of nowhere sometimes or adding a a nasty slider it's a lot easier to just add a a nastier pitch i think than it is to um, you know really break out as a hitter when you're already in your your mid twenties. But um, you know with with Porter, I think he's a, he is a good fastball hitter. Uh, seems like really good good results against fastballs, good swings there. Uh, I've seen some more swing and miss on off speed stuff. Uh, seen some some you know sometimes where his swing comes unglued there. So. Um, like you said, he's not in our, our top 30 for, for the Royals. Uh, I can't say that I've heard, or, or I'm not sure if anybody on our staff has, has heard much scout chatter on him as, a um, as a prospect, but, um, like you said, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're light on him. <laughs> it, it could be, um, you know, one of those, uh, later, 
later bloomers, but I just, I just can't say I've heard the, um, you know, the chatter on him uh, from uh, from scouts as a as a prospect at least to to this point. Something else, some another guy that we've kind of been high on in Royals Farm Report here, uh, outfielder Tucker Bradley there in uh, Northwest Arkansas as well. He just turned 24 last month. Uh, this is just his second professional season. Last season between high A and A ball had 125 WRC plus, currently at a 123 there in double A. Um, we talk about Michael Massey. <clears throat> he gets a lot of run in uh, in prospect sites and ourselves included that we're very high on Michael Massey, yet Tucker Bradley has had a better K percent, better walk rate, better ISO, better ones runs were created plus. Um, so it's just kind of wonder. It seems like he spreads the ball out to all fields really well. So, I mean, where, where do you see him kind of not only in this organization's outfield outlook, but also as his overall value as a professional uh, in the major leagues, if that. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, he is a he's a corner outfielder. I think he, I mean, some of the the him using the opposite field sometimes is him, um, just kind of the way his his swing works, where he'll, um, you know, like he'll he'll step in the bucket and and kind of pull off early. So, um, not you know in love with with the swing, but if if you make a mistake, um, he can take advantage. He can do some. Uh, some damage with that it's not like big time big time bat speed uh, or power so uh you know a special left field or uh right field it's kind of a uh you know a more challenging profile i think for uh for for it to work but um you know like you're asking about guys who are way beyond or not no way beyond i should say but like outside <laughs> of our, our top 30 prospects so i'm right. not gonna uh you know it's it's guys where it's like all right well they maybe they end up you know shoot man I've been doing this for 15 years and uh, baseball just like life is full of surprises <laughs> and the <laughs> biggest takeaway from that is that you will continue to uh, be surprised and continue to be um, you know surprise good and surprise bad on, on right. a lot of things in in baseball. Yeah, makes sense. So how hard is it? <clears throat> for guys let's use tucker bradley right so if you're mm -hmm. if you are tucker bradley and you're kind of like we talked about out hitting michael massey who seems to be favored by the org more you are having success at every level that you move through and the org comes to him and says hey you've got to you've got to fix some things here's here's two things you got to fix if you want to get that make that next step he's like well i'm out hitting the guy that you're telling is doing a great job like why do i have to fix things we're the same age i'm out hitting him like why am i the one that has to fix stuff how hard is it to convince a guy like bradley hey we know you're hitting the crap out of the ball and we're, and we're happy for you but in order to make the adjustment at the big league level this is something you have to do like you have to get this fixed if you want to make that next step they're having success they've never been to the big leagues or triple a so they don't they can't realize what that's like yet how hard is it to convince a guy, hey, you've got to change or you'll never have success at the next level when they're pummeling pitching at double A? Um, well, it's it's tough. And also sometimes like sometimes the organization is not necessarily right. Right. So uh, sometimes you try to change a hitter and it's like, well, like it looks weird, but maybe it just works for him like i'm sure a lot of you know hitting coaches saw hunter pence and were like dude you gotta stop <laughs> doing this it's not gonna it's not gonna work or like i don't like even like the giants when like madison bumgarner his first season they tried to like change his mechanics you kind of see why like it's like super long sweeping arm action it's like oh i like, maybe want to shorten that up so you can throw some more strikes consistently as you get no like just and then he was like no i'm gonna go back to my my old mechanics and just do things uh you know my way and um sometimes sometimes the stubborn player is right too so it's um it's difficult i mean i, I think yeah a lot of times as a organization too like I would, a lot of times they do want to if as long as it's working for a player they're like well like I don't want to be the guy that like breaks him either too. Right. <laughs> if it keeps working for him and then we change something and it goes wrong and you know, whether it's 
whether it's because they're, you know, they really believe that it could keep working for the player just the way it is, or it's career risk where they don't want to be the guy that, you know, is known as the guy that screwed up this hitter or that pitcher. Um, so, um, yeah, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think especially at like triple A too, you get into a level of, uh, that's probably the level with the greatest amount of bitterness added too, because you have like the, you know, the young hotshot, like, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is in triple A, right? Well, obviously not now, but you know, at a certain point he's there and you have these top prospects who are on the rise and getting a lot of attention and all the fans are talking about, you know, when are we going to call up any Pasquantino already? Right. And then you have guys, you know, maybe had some big league time and have gotten sent down or you have guys who've been like minor league veterans who are like, Oh, like, when am I going to get my opportunity? Like, like you said, I'm out hitting this, you know, young prospect. I've got better numbers than him. Why aren't I getting more attention? So uh, that's definitely a, uh, I think it's one of the more challenging clubhouses to <laughs> levels to, to manage a, a clubhouse at, uh, at the minor league level. You're not balancing like egos from money. You're balancing egos from <laughs> from age or experience or everything, literally everything else. So definitely, yeah, I got like yeah, guys who are like, I want to get back to the big leagues. I should be yep. there. Guys are looking to get up for the first time. The younger prospects, all sorts of, um, you know, things. A lot of different uh, personalities that you have to yeah. to balance in that one. Yeah. Well, speaking of balance, uh, let's go to a little bit of the draft uh, coming up here in July. Uh, we're kind of starting to get the ball rolling. We've got the you know our draft guide and our draft coverage coming up as well. But <clears throat> I know you guys are kind of starting to ramp things up for Baseball America. Um, we got the Royals at number nine, and they've got three picks in the top fifty. Uh, I know the underslot game, you know, is always a very fluid situation. is very dependent upon both the draft class guys being where you think they are guys signing for what you think they'll sign for. Um, but just to, I guess, answer this impossible to answer question. Are there any guys that you could see the Royals kind of double dipping or even triple dipping with those three picks there in the fifties? As, as far as like what their strat, like would they spread their money around like they did? Yeah, yeah. Is there any under slot opportunities that they would potentially look at? Um, yeah, I mean, it's t- it just kind of depends. I could certainly, like, you know, they did it last year, right? So there's certainly a team yeah. that's willing to do it. So I could certainly see them doing it again. Um, as far as like which players, uh, it's kind of yeah. hard to say at this right. point. Like I wouldn't have thought they would. If you asked me, I mean, literally, if you'd asked me on draft day uh, or like even once the first six picks were off the board, if they were going to do it for Frank Mazzucato, I would have been like, I don't think so. That doesn't no sound way. right. Like, I love Frank Mazzucato. I just you know didn't see didn't right. see that uh, coming. So I'm sure, um, you know, there certainly could be players who would be, you know, more toward the back of the first round on. Yeah. On talent, like if Mazzucato didn't go in the top 10, I think he probably would have gone in the back of the first rounds. Um, so it's, you know, looking at guys uh, like that, um, and like, you know, not, not, not saying you're going to do the same, you know, go for another left-handed pitcher, but like, you know, like a Brandon Barriera, uh, left-handed pitcher, um, an American Heritage in, in Florida is like a guy who's in the 20s. Uh, or I think we'll be in the twenties on our, our next BA 500 update. So like I could see somebody in, in that range uh, and then cutting a deal uh, with him under slot going and then going over slot with their, uh, you know, the later picks uh, or I yeah. could, you know, I could also just see him playing it straight too and just drafting yeah. whoever they have as the, you know, the best player available on their board, whether that's, um, you know, could, like a college bat, like uh, Jace Young, uh, high or I'm gonna say high school guy, like uh, Cam Collier. But Cam Collier, I think of him as a high school guy because he should be a he was a 2023 player who uh reclassified to the 22 draft, went to the Pola Junior College, dominated there, and now he's like playing in the Cape Cod League because he's just a total baseball rat and just can't get away from the game and wants to like squeeze in every amateur baseball uh experience that he can before it becomes a a first round pick so i i i 
I love his swing and his power. I'm uh, enamored with his uh, offensive game, especially. So, um, you know, guys like that, I think if they wanted to uh, just take the best player available on the board, um, you know, those are the guys that, you know, that could be in that range or, you know, I don't know how far Tamar Johnson is going to fall uh, down the board. Like if I had the first pick in the draft, I'd, I'd take him. But if teams are, you know, more scared off by him being, uh, you know, five foot eight, like uh, Jose Ramirez type of uh, body that concerns them and, and he falls, um, I don't think it's out of the question that yeah. he could still be available there. And if the, the Royals take him, then uh, it would be, uh, doing cartwheels if I was a Royals fan. Oh yeah, yep. I was I was getting ready to say if the Royals get Termar Johnson, I was like, I, you've got uh, free dinner in this city anytime you show up. So <laughs> I will I will be there. We'll I'll, we'll make it happen. I will I will also stop. I will quit doing this if they pass on him. So that is he's like I agree with you. I think I had him number two or three on our first top ten we let out. It was Brooks Lee, Jace Young, and then. Tamar Johnson, I think in that order. So I'll ask you this, Ben. Let's say it's Cam Collier, Jace Young, Gavin Cross, Jacob Berry on the board at number nine. Where are you going with that with that pick? If, if it's those four. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are pretty much going to be like our, I think are probably like our seven through ten on our hmm. on our updated BA 500 uh, that's, that we're working on right now. Uh, we may tweak a few things, but um, I don't think we're going to have him and I don't think we're gonna have Cam Collier at the top of that list. But for me, I, I probably would take Cam Collier. Um, I mean, if you're going to go the college route, I mean, Chase Young is a really good hitter. Like him and his brother are both, you know, super talented hitters. It's uh, I think Collier is more conventional swing. Uh, he's younger. It just he just generates such easy power too. Uh, it's just uh, a beautiful swing it really reminds me too of seeing Raphael Devers when when he was that age uh just a sweet swinging left-handed hitter uh really smart hitter too knows the strike zone uh just a knack for putting the ball in play like he has he has big raw power too but uh he has a hitter's first mentality which is what I really like to see at that age uh so i think he has a chance to be a, a middle of the lineup hitter um in his prime and he's got a, i think he's got a chance to stay at, at third base too he's a you know a bigger body guy but uh plenty certainly plenty of arm strength for third base but uh, i think his hands and footwork uh continue to uh improve it you know just depending how how big he gets like you know like you know vlad jr was at third base obviously at, at one point and then he you know blew up and went to first base and it doesn't matter because he's Vlad Jr. But, uh, you know, like Devers is a good example of a, a bigger body guy when he was younger too, who, uh, you know, had questions if he was going to move to first base and he's been able to, um, you know, stay on top of his conditioning enough to be able to uh, stick at third base. So um, I think that's an outcome I could see for Cam Collier. So, um, yeah, if all those guys are, are on the board, I'd be, I'd be taking Cam Collier. I'm sold. Okay. Yep. He's probably not. I mean, you were a big on Collier anyways, Alex. So makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. So <laughs> that makes me happy. Okay. I'm in. That's, that's who I'll be rooting for at number nine. Um, ben, before we get you out of here, one last question. We ask everybody their first time on the show. Joel's listening. I can see him down there. So he'll be happy that I included this. Um, you can go back and watch any moment in baseball history live and in person. Where are you going? Ooh, any moment in baseball history. That's a good question. I get, I mean, I, I, I like my first instinct is like, like Jackie Robinson's debut um, in the big leagues. Like I'd be curious just to see like what the, or like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I, I'd certainly want to see his debut, but even just to have like, you know, season tickets too, just to kind of like see what the, what the reaction was from fans yeah. at the time. Um, sure. Just to like see firsthand, not that you would obviously know everything he's going through, but 
um, just to at least see like the the reaction live at the stadium of like what it was like um, for you know I was such a historic player. Um, that's the first one that uh, jumps to mind for me. I think if I could go back and watch a Jackie Robinson moment, I think getting like if I could take my cell phone with me and record on a better camera the play at the plate with Yogi Berra would be <laughs> you could come back and sell that video for millions of dollars <laughs> just to have like a better quality of like, was he out or safe? It would be legendary. So mm. that's actually a good, that's the first time we've ever gotten that answer. So um, that's a good one. Ben, we really appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining us. Um, like you said, the the guys that are off the top 30 are, they're harder to talk about. They're harder to figure, but, they, they also deserve a little bit of the limelight. So thanks for coming on and talking about them with us. Um, good luck through through the draft coverage season that's about to be upon us, and hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, no, I love it. You guys go super deep, so that's that's awesome. So I'm glad to uh, talk about those guys. So thanks for, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate – isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right. Thanks to Ben Badler of Baseball America for joining us. That was a great conversation. Really good to get his thoughts on some, A, some of the bigger names in the system, but B, some of the guys we don't talk about as often, Logan Porter, Tucker Bradley, and when do these guys become prospects? And I I ask myself that all the time watching that double-A team because they've got Robbie Glendening and Tucker Bradley and Jake Means and Logan Porter. And it's like, man, these guys can really hit, but it's like none of them, and, and rightfully so, have like – Major prospect value. Like, I love watching Logan Porter play baseball. Love mm-hmm. watching Logan Porter play baseball. Um, but he just, there's not, like I said, he might be our 50th ranked prospect midseason. So, really good conversation there. Thanks for Ben, for thanks to Ben for coming on. Really quick, we're going to take a word from KCSC, our sponsor for the year. We'll be right back. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not 
something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mat, it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. All right. Sorry, I was reading a text from Joshua and I missed the the thing coming in. So let's get into the minor league minute. Minor league minute brought to us by Drum Farm this year. Drum Farm Center for Children. Every Saturday morning, you can go out to Drum Farm on Lee Summit Road. I tweet the address every weekend. Get fresh cinnamon rolls, some fresh produce, like grow your own tomato plants. They have actual plants out there if you want to have your own garden. They have a petting zoo. They have a donkey, some goats. Uh, it's a great time, truly. Like, it's not very big, but you go out there, take your kid to the petting zoo, get some produce and some cinnamon rolls. Everything benefits the kids that are there that are working it. Every kid working it lives there at Drum Farm. Great opportunity. Uh, thanks to them for picking up the minor league minute. Our MVP of the week is Logan Porter. Logan Porter, a couple home runs, a couple doubles. We talked about him at nauseum throughout the podcast so far, but he is our MVP of the week. Uh, this week. This is what we're recording on Sunday, June 5th, so that week. Um, guys, really quick, I want to talk to you guys about um, really the state of the farm system really quick before we get into a full-blown minor league minute. So before we cover the actual week that was, let's, let's recap the season a little bit. Columbia, struggling. Quad Cities, struggling. Northwest Arkansas, Hammering the baseball, but the pitching staff really has struggled quite a bit. And then in Omaha, it's just been a whole back and forth. Half the team has been in Kansas City at one point or another. Half the team has been at double A at one point or another, right? So they're really kind of going through some roster influx. But that team overall has been pretty good. Not great, not bad, but pretty good. Josh, I'll start with you. Joel, you just joined us. I'll start with you. Give me your overall thoughts of the season because – as I sit here and think about it, I'm not overwhelmed with good feelings, but I don't feel strongly that it's been a failure either. Like it's just been a very average kind of like a meh season so far. Yeah. It kind of feels that way. I'm not necessarily shocked at the struggles we're seeing in Columbia. That team does not have a lot of college guys on it. It's a lot of the prep players from the last couple of drafts, a couple with international guys getting their first run at big league ball. So I'm not shocked that we're seeing some of the the negative results we've seen, but there's still you know some flashes of good stuff at every level we've seen that. And I don't think that's why I feel strongly one way or the other about what we're seeing. Still a lot of standout performances at every level, good performances and guys that are going to continue to move up, guys that are validated being in our top 30 or higher that are performing at levels that we thought they would, even if the team holistically isn't. So I'm not concerned about it at this point. Obviously, you want to see them win games because it's something that the Royals value in having these guys win at the minor league level so they can eventually win at the big league level. But at the end of the day, as long as they're getting the development that we think is necessary to get them to Kansas City, then, you know, it is what it is. Josh, what about you? Yeah, generally the same. I, I know we made the comments um, prior to the season that we were pumped up about, especially the Omaha uh, roster and the Northwest Arkansas roster. I think Alex even predicted a couple uh, trophies in those two teams. Definitely not living up to those expectations at the moment, but just when, after, off the top of my head, it doesn't seem like there are that many guys that we were concerned about You know, taking strides forward developmentally, not doing that. Uh, you could certainly look at guys like you know the Ben Hernandez, the Will Kleins. All, there are dudes in the system that are not living up to what we wanted them to be, but those dudes in large in part had huge question marks anyway. So it was kind of like we we maybe should have instead of been pumping helium, been being like, well, we're going to keep a special eye on these particular guys because they have showed something last year, and let's see how they kind of build off of that type of thing. So. When you look at the Pascotinos, the Melendezes, the Bobby Witts, the Nick Prados, the uh, the guys kind of like we need those dudes to hit before the big league club to do something. At some point, we need those dudes, and they're you know they did what they needed to do to get that promotion to get up. Well, except for one major guy in there, we're not going to discuss that again. But it, you know, it just seems like, in large in part, those dudes are all either making progress, building off of what they started. Or, you know, they're already promoted into that 
that next next tier, next step in their development. But uh, the other problem is the Ace Lacy thing. The Ace Lacy question is a huge thing for me, for us as a podcast, for the Royals as a system. He just can't, you know, he's not healthy again, and that's that's an issue. He needed to take those steps forward in order to be, you know, uh, counted on in the future, and we're not seeing that just yet. So uh, that's kind of, you know, large in part by Jewel. I agree with him completely that, you know, as a as a whole, you want to see them succeed. It is important to the organization, but it just feels like, in general, the guys that we wanted to see take step forwards or at least maintain are doing so. I don't disagree with anything you said, and I think the – the general takeaway I have is that the COVID year in 2020 has still held up a lot of what we see in terms of development at the younger, younger levels at, at the a ball levels, because Ben mentioned it on the podcast just a few minutes ago, you don't have short season ball anymore. The Arizona league hasn't started yet. <clears throat> and I, I sit here and I kind of wonder, it's like, the average age of the low A player is like 22 years old this year. And the Fireflies have a bunch of 18-year-olds out there. So speaking of the Fireflies, as we really get into the minute a little bit, swept by Salem. Six in a row to the Salem Red Sox. And only two of those games did they score more than two runs. Not good. Danny Vasquez not really hitting. He did hit his first two doubles of the year today. One of them was a ball. I almost tweeted the video and I didn't want like Royals fans like, Oh, that's not a real double. It's like, I know it's it's, it's funny because his first double legitimate double down the right field line. Second one, it was hilarious. He hits a fly ball into center field. The center fielder dives and is like this, like I can't even make my hands on the screen as far away from the ball as he was. It was so funny. Like he laid out on a ball that four of him, four of his body lengths might have caught. Anyway, I, ball got I can't get mad at that. I love the effort there. I, was, I I mean, at that point, I can laugh and be like, I, I applaud it, man. That's you know, very, very hardo a ball play. Got to get naked for those. Yeah. Well, so anyway, it was bad. And Danny Vasquez ended up at second base with another double. But so he did hit a couple doubles today. Eric Pena is still not hitting. Carter Jensen has struggled in a big way of late. And it's not even that he's like, ooh, like that's a bad at bat, bad at bat. It's like. You watch Carter, like, I don't know if I'm biased. Like, I need to, I need somebody to sit down and watch 50 of his at-bats and tell me if I'm just being biased because he's a local kid. And he's a friend of the show, by the way. But I watch the pitchers pitch to other hitters. And it's like, okay, low-A pitcher working through a low-A lineup. And then it's like they get to Carter Jensen. And it's, it's like they look at Bryce Harper in the box. And they're like, okay, here's my best stuff. I'm not going to give you anything good to hit. We're going to work all the way around you, giving him like Barry Bonds treatment. Now, is that every at bat? No, certainly not. He is having, there are bad at bats that he has, like any other 18 year old in full season baseball. But it is so weird. I watch it and it's like, he played three games in a row and got four fastballs. What? Like, (laughs) what are we doing here? And so, anyway. Uh, that team is struggling in a big way. The pitchers this week, Mazzucato, three and two-thirds hitless. Kaderna, three more scoreless innings. Shane Panzini struggled with his command a little bit. They're just kind of trudging along. That team needs a boost. I don't know where that boost is coming from. I don't think it's coming from Arizona. I don't think it's coming from within at this point. Maybe at midseason, a bunch of the players in the league get promoted to high A, and they can be the older veterans in the league. I don't know. That team is struggling in a big way down in the quad cities quad cities got a win today to i think avoid being swept yeah they won today to avoid being swept so of your two a ball teams they went one and 11 this week not a good week and if you're wondering why we are not picking players of the week it's because there weren't a lot of great (laughs) options i was flipping through fan graphs and minorleague.com like trying to find a pitcher and player of the week and it's like it's slim pickings this week so logan porter Mm -hmm. hit and everybody else Almost everybody else struggled. So that's why we're only picking Logan Porter this week. Guys, I think the biggest thing for me and these A-ball teams, the biggest concern, if I was going to pick a concern, is a lack of prospect who has really stepped up and been heads and shoulders above his peers at the level. In low A, that guy doesn't exist. Not even Daryl Collins, who is in now his second round at low A, 
a guy that I was running the hype train for on my back preseason. Not even Daryl Collins has really stepped up. I don't know if you can look at either roster and go, that's the guy. That's the guy who has stepped up and is having a big season for one of those two teams. Tyler Gentry early on was that, but he's cooled off a ton lately. So I don't know who it is. And you have two teams where there's no obvious choice. So Josh, really quick, in in a more positive light, on that Quad Cities team, you you were in on Tyler Gentry preseason. Have you seen anything from him this year that has made you think, okay, I feel vindicated in that prediction, and this is why I'm still high on Tyler Gentry? Well, it was a, a very cool hot take, if you will, very lukewarm. If you heat up the ice cubes a la Daniel Stern and Rookie of the Year, that's the kind of take it was. It was basically like making sure that Tyler Gentry makes it into the top fifth, our top 15 uh, at some point. I don't feel bad about that bold take at all. I still think he's very, you know, viable in that situation, but he has certainly cooled off. Obviously, I'm not writing as highly on him as I was prior uh, in the first like month or so. But I mean, that was due to come down. Joel, you always talked about his Babbitt being crazy. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, it's I mean, Babbitt. It is what it is, type of thing. But it, I mean, I'm still fine on Tyler Gentry at this point. The the guy I'm kind of high on at this point is Dylan Trump. Uh, I don't know how much of his prospect status he has as a 24 year old in high A, but um, but he's absolutely had a great season so far. I brought him up in my like off the radar guys that I was kind of uh, pumped to see in there, and he's kind of for me uh, the dude that has been that seven home runs, uh, 22 walks to 42 strikeouts is not bad at all, carrying a 940 OPS. So. Uh, he's almost on base 40% of the time. So, I, I mean, Dylan Trump might be that guy that you're referring to. Um, but, I mean, between him and Tyler Gentry, those are, are more or less the only two bright spots that, uh, uh, for that quad A team. Northwest Arkansas down in double A went two and four this week. So, now mm-hmm. among the three teams, we are a combined three and 17. No, three and 18. <laughs> Is that right? Three and 16. What's six times three? 18. So three and 15. There we go. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. We'll have to work our way through, but we, we <laughs> not got a math there. podcast. No, not a math, not a math, not a math pod. No. So three and 15, if you include Northwest Arkansas, and then as we move up to Omaha, they won two games this week. Did they win in the third one? They did. They won three games this week. So they only played five. So that's six and 20 for the week. Even that doesn't feel right. What do we just say? <laughs> three and 15. Six and, and eight, so six and eighteen. Three and they went three and two. Yeah, six oh, and eight, whatever. I'm whatever. Tired of doing math. Six and eighteen. Um, and again, it was just kind of a slow week. So that was uh the minor league minute, which was pretty uneventful this week. Also, <laughs> I apologize for sounding like I have like died recently. I have been sick all week. It's like we recorded on Monday and Josh, after we got done just ranting and raving about how bad the Royals are, it's like Dayton Moore had God spite me with Milton, mm-hmm. and I've been sick all week, so I apologize. <laughs> yep. A, for screwing up the math. B, for sounding like I'm dying. So, uh, Joel. I was also a bit sick after that podcast. I had a really bad headache, and, you know, felt my mouth was really dry when I woke Irish up that flu. morning. A little something like that, Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I meant like to, I didn't want to ask you live. Maybe we can edit this out if you want. Did you really drink that whole bottle? On- oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'd be just super dead. Big time dead for anybody like, not I opened watching this bottle us. in the third inning, and I was like, what? That was, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I did mention that it was a Costco bottle, and Costco's <laughs> reputation is having, like, whiskey barrels full of $20 Canadian whiskey. But, no, I did not. I, did, I, I finished the bottle, but it was only, like, two drinks. Joel, before we get to the actual final thoughts, do you have any final baseball thoughts from Ben's interview from the week that it was? Any final baseball thoughts before we get to the final thoughts? I am fully in on the Royals taking Cam Collier at nine if he's there. When he said Rafael Devers, I went, oh, okay. Yep. That Yeah, that, that name kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And you've kind of mentioned he's got like a Mike Moustakas kind of feel to him as a, you know, a bat first corner guy, certainly – something that it could be really fun there there are some fun options there that could be there at nine depending on the way the board falls and man if termar johnson's there i am i'll, I'll sprint to secaucus new jersey for dayton Moore and make that pick if that's what it takes well this might be a little bit of a sneak peek but are we 
are we still trying to do are we going to meet up at the kingdom bar and grill for the draft night I don't know that's if that's been point. confirmed, but we're going to try and do some sort of live stream for the first two rounds yeah. of the NFL or NFL draft, the MLB draft uh, there in July. I believe it'll be like the Sunday before the all-star break is 17th. Yeah. 17th. Yes. So if we're at the kingdom bar and grill and the Royals get Tamar Johnson at number nine, I will have hundred bucks or maybe a couple hundred bucks for, for some free Dr. Peppers. For anybody who meets us out there, but I will have Dr. Peppers for everybody if we can land Tamar Johnson at number nine. That would be best case scenario by him. I mean, like short of Brooks Lee falling to number nine, yeah, like that would be Tamar Johnson's best case scenario. Okay. In my Are you still in on Chase DeLauder or is the injury the broken? No, foot I am. I just think like okay. I like the whole time we were talking about it, like I had did I have Tamar Johnson actually at number three? I now I can't even remember who I had. I'll go back and look, but the more I looked into it, like sneak peek this week when we release our top 11 or 15 or whatever the, the next ranking is, Tamar Johnson will be in my top three. I went back and was, A, talking to somebody smarter than me, but B, watching some of the video. I think Jose Ramirez, like just body type is is pretty similar, but he reminds me of like, I don't know, not Rafael Devers, but like, like Willie Calhoun, what Willie Calhoun was supposed to be when he got he just got DFA'd by the Rangers. So I don't like I hate using that like <laughs> but like maybe a left-handed Jose Altuve. Like I get it. He's a little bit shorter, but the swing has some bad intentions. Like he is looking to elevate the baseball and he gets to it with regularity. So you want to pass on the guy because he's short, that's more than fine. Bring that ass here. Like he can come play <laughs> for the Royals. Whatever he wants, I I would be down for that. So, Josh, get into the actual final thoughts. His with your final thoughts this week. We are doing non baseball related final thoughts. So, hit us. Uh, this week I was on vacation. I uh, I went to the Devil's Bunghole with the family in St. Louis, and uh, really good trip. Um, starting to do all these, you know, more kid focused. We got you know a one year old and a five year old. So, did the Magic House, did the zoo. Uh, did the butterfly house, did some playgrounds, and uh, it was, you know, it was a very new dynamic for vacations, having two kids in a hotel room and just trying to find stuff to keep them from breaking both everything in the room and your just general spirit. So um, <laughs> it was a good trip. You know, it's uh, it's very, very fun to watch them learn and have good, good memories, and uh, a lot of good stuff was on that trip. So I was thankful to be able to do that. There you go. Joel, about you, final thoughts. So I wanted to do this last week, but because that we pulled the audible on the, uh, the, t- the way the episode was going to be structured, I, I bowed out because I was going to probably end up talking about it on one Royal way anyways. But I went out and played golf with my dad on Memorial day on, uh, on Monday with a couple of his buddies and we were having a good time. Two man scramble. We, we, my dad ended up losing by one hole, but we did, we played pretty well, but right around, we started on the back nine, get to the front and we caught up to this group in front of us. And, this is my general thought for golf. If you're bad, just be bad. Like, don't like this. The, there was a, a gentleman in the group in front of us that would stand there for about a minute and line up his shot, sit there and really think about it. And then he would go and then take about four, two or three practice swings and then back off and look at it again and then take two or three more back practice swings. And then sit there for another 30 seconds and really get into some sort of psychosis to hit the ball and then shank it into the trees every <laughs> single time, like clockwork. Treated every putt as if he was going to win two and a half million at Augusta National. Like, I am not going to say that I'm any good at golf, but I at least want to get up there and hit because if I think about it for that long, I'm going to do exactly what that guy was doing. And when you sit there and have to wait six or seven minutes between your tee shot, your second shot, your third shot in the green, it's awful for everybody. Like, just play fast. Get up there. If you want to take a practice swings, cool. You want to line it up and try and find the line you want to hit to that you're not going to, then fine. But if you're bad, <laughs> just be bad and go out there and drink beer and have a good time. But my God. We have a one-putt rule when we play golf. It's once you get the ball in the green, you get to putt it one time. And after you put it once, if you don't make it, you have to add two strokes to your to your score. 
and then you're off. We don't we don't stand around and putt all day. Get so, the ball yeah, on the green, the, putt I'm it big, once, pick it up, and get off. I'm big on the gimme rule. Like I'm like you mm-hmm. if you want your long putt and then you know you take a you know just generally like four feet in, like yeah, go ahead and pick that up and add a stroke, we'll call it good. But yeah, like I'm not like two putts, I go two putt max. Like, I'm yep. not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and worry about it for that long. No. But even then, I'm not worried about my putt be- that much. Like, I kind of just trying to read the line a little bit. Okay, left to right. Okay, cool. And then I get up and hit because I'm not going to think about it for that long. I don't need to. I shoot in the 90s on a good day. I don't <laughs> right. need – I don't need – on my own, I'm actually playing, like, not scramble. Then I'm going to go out and I'm probably going to shoot 98. I don't need to worry about my putts that much. Amen. My final thought of the night, Joel, I get to see Turnpike on Friday. Let's go. Let's Council go. Council Bluffs, Iowa. That's going to be incredible. My first time ever seeing them. I just, it's, it's outside and it might rain and I just could not care less. I'm so excited. That's going um, to be incredible. Steve Earl is opening for them. So I have to brush up on my ability to dance to Copperhead road. Ooh. Um, but yeah. So I can see that? Steve Earl and turnpike. Nice. When you, when you go to like your dream band, concert for the first time you get to experience that for the first time what's your beer like your buzz level are you are you just going for it or are you gonna see this is a problem i have this is why i've cut back on how often i drink is because i don't have the ability to gauge it it's just Hmm. i start and i finish and where that (laughs) the end where the when the end happens is usually more predicated on my surroundings than me. So yep. I'm going to go in there, bush lattes flowing and probably just enjoy it. Um, yeah. I wish, I wish I had the ability to like think about that and, but I don't, I just feel the vibe. I only, yeah, I just go with the flow and live the vibe. Yep. Drink as much as my environment allows. Makes sense. That's so. I've, I've gotten into a few of those situations the AFC championship game this last year was one of those. I had a very strong bout of Irish flu the next day after <laughs> that game. So um, totally understand, but I'm just kind of wondering like the older you get, it seems like the better it is to kind of figure out where that gauge is. Try or try to try your That's damnedest. one quality that I've been pretty good at sands, like the Super Bowl and the chiefs won. other than mm. that. That's like the one time that it really got bad, but uh, but no, when I went and saw Turnpike, I made sure that I was, you know, ha- at a good level, having a good time, you know, still enjoying a few beverages with my friends, but also like I wanted to be able to, you know, see the concert. Yeah. <laughs> and not through blurry, not through, not a, not know. a blur. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Makes the sense. only, um, <clears throat> this is, I mean, I was at a Shane Smith and the Saints concert at Knuckleheads and they closed it out with Long Hot Summer Day. Oh, and I thought they were going to bring the roof down. That wasn't even turnpike. Like I cannot wait to be in dude. Iowa on Friday. So Oof, dude. hopefully when that, I'm on vacation. So actually I literally told you guys, I gave you guys a game plan for the podcast next week. I won't be on the podcast next week. I'll be in mm-hmm. Colorado with no internet. So I'm, I'm like, see you and I, Josh, we got to hold down the fort. Let's I'm do going, this. I'm going to go get lost. So <laughs> that sounds All right, like gents. a good trip to me. Thanks for joining me tonight. Um, thanks to Ben Badler of Baseball America. Thanks to KCSC for sponsoring the show. Thanks to KCSN Drum Farm, Tickets for Less. And also, uh, I got nothing else. We'll see you guys next week. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks again. We'll see you guys soon.